Welcome to Archerverted, a podcast about the art world. I'm your host, Michael H. Dewberry, art historian and art world professional who's worked in auction houses, galleries, museums, and archives around the world. The art world is large, and I believe there's a place for everyone, but making it is not easy. That's why I started this podcast, to share the stories of leaders and changemakers in the arts. From artists to museum directors and everyone in between, we share their experiences, communities they serve, and why they've dedicated their lives to art. In each episode, our guests talk about their paths to success and share their advice for those in the arts who are aspiring for a career in the art world. In honor of Pride Month, we're devoting two episodes to elevating the voices of LGBTQ artists. This week, we speak with Ghislaine Pascal, co-founder and director of London's Little Black Gallery and publisher of Boys, 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 a biannual print publication and online platform that promotes queer and gay photography. Boys, Boys, Boys represents over 65 photographers from 30 countries, including China, India, Iran, Poland, Russia, and Turkey, where gay rights are oppressed and queer lives are under constant threat. So without further ado, let's jump in. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited to discuss your work with the gallery and how you're working uh, to promote gay and queer photographers. But uh, I'd like to first jump in just by asking how you got into the arts. I came into the art scene kind of later on in my life. It's been a second career for me. So my career started in PR. So I had a PR company for 15, 20 years representing celebrities. And through that work of working with lots of different celebrities in the UK, I get to work with um, a lot of different photographers. And one of the photographers I got to work with a lot was a British photographer called Bob Carlos Clark. He's very famous in the UK. Um, He's known as the Helmut Newton of the UK. So working with him over many, many, many years where he was photographing all my clients because he became my preferred choice of photographers, as I always do, just eventually I became his agent and work with him for a number of years. And then sadly, in 2006, he killed himself. So I opened the Little Black Gallery, the gallery that I own in 2008, in memory of him, with his um, wife and another business partner, Tamara Beckwith. And so that's how I started. So that was back in 2008. Um, And when we started, we were, you know, we were kind of amateurs, But in London in 2008, there were very few photography galleries, probably five or six pure photography galleries, whereas now there are dozens and dozens and dozens. So that was really the the starting point of how I got into the the photography world. I mean, ironically, but it has nothing to do with how I got into the photography world. My father was a photographer. He was quite a well-known fashion photographer, but um, he also died many years ago. It has nothing to do with my career. So it's kind of ironic that I'm in the photography world. I'm not familiar with Bob's work, but uh, was he gay? No, he, he was definitely not gay. <laughs> he was, like I said, he was known as the, the Helmut Newton of the, the UK. So his stuff is, is seriously sexy. Um, seriously erotic of, fe- of, of females, of women. So, yeah, and then uh, he always used to tease Helmut Newton that his pictures were real, whereas Helmut's were fashion pictures. So, no, he, it's kind of ironic that the Little Black Gallery, which which I co-own, we're more, for the last 10 years, we're more famous for selling photographs of naked women. So I represent quite a few photographers like Marco Glaviano, Patrick Litchfield, that are super famous for taking pictures of... Um, of girls. I mean, we do actually have a program called Girls, 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 which is the sister program of Boys, 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 but it's a very different program. It's not like Boys, Boys, Boys. So did that start first? Did it start first? They started at the same time, really. Um, when we closed the gallery in, God, now my years are gone out the window. When we closed <laughs> the gallery in 2018, so we closed the SAC gallery in 2018 because I decided to moved to France and also I just was not interested in renewing the lease on our property um we had to kind of have a plan for online um so girls 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 and boys 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 started at the same time but girls 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 was much more designed to be a platform for the artists like Bob Carlos Clark, Patrick Litchfield, Marco Glaviano etc 
that we already represented. So really that is just an online art platform, whereas Boys, Boys, Boys is just this huge monster of a thing that's just growing and growing and growing. And it's really becoming a brand in itself in terms of exhibitions, books, magazines, you name it, we're doing it. So how did you take the take the dive into gay photography then, gay and queer photography rather? Well, the, 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 the way it kind of started was because of my personal taste, because I'm gay, um, I was buying photographs that I liked for my personal collection. And I have a very large private collection of photography. It's not particular, it's not all queer and gay photography, but there's a large part of it that is. And one of the photographers that I bought was a Canadian photographer called Tyler Udall, super talented, super annoyingly brilliant person. Um, and I bought one of his images from his New York dealer. And we started communicating and became friends. And then I started representing him through through the Little Back Gallery. And we did two shows of his in London. But the problem we had was that our clientele um, was not particularly suited for that kind of work. So, you know, I, I just wanted to do it anyway, because I liked it. But our clients were used to our galleries in Chelsea, which is a very rich district of of London. Um, most of our clients were coming for our super big name photographer names. But anyway, we tried it and we sold we sold a few pieces because Tyler had actually lived in London. He was the creative director of Days did another magazine. So he had quite a lot of friends in London. But anyway, out of that, I was kind of one of the second show I think we did, we called it Boys, Boys, Boys. And that was kind of the germ of the of what was became Boys, Boys, Boys. And then it kind of happened because a friend of mine was working as head of photography at Paddle 8, the online auction house. And I kept buying stuff from Paddle 8, particularly queer or gay photography, or just pictures of boys. And I said to my friend, you should do a, a boys, boys, boys sale, you know, a queer and gay photography sale. It just seems insane because people may be a little bit timid to buy that stuff in a gallery. So eventually she just turned around to me and said, oh, stop annoying me. You just do it. <laughs> so that's actually how boys, boys, boys started. So we launched it with Paddle 8 and we did an online auction with 30 photographers but the, the irony was the first one actually wasn't just queer and gay photography it was just male nudes so we, there was there were straight photographers there were queer photographers there were gay photographers so the first one actually wasn't just queer and gay but it took everybody by surprise including paddle eight they didn't expect it to do so well i think the it, the sell-through factor was something like 80 or 85 percent which wow. is quite high for so they were they were taken by surprise and then i kind of thought about it and i thought okay we need to create a better identity for the boys, boys, boys. Um, so I thought, actually, let's just make it all queer and gay photographers, which actually works much better. And then out of the, I think about the time of the second auction or third auction, I can't remember what, when it was, we did our first boys, boys, boys book, which we self-published um, and donated all the proceeds to the Elton John A Foundation and the book. It was only limited edition. It was 200 copies. But it was, I think, £100. It's quite expensive. And it mm -hmm. sold out straight away. And then that kind of carried on. I think we did five auctions. And then Paddle 8 set up an online shop doing Boys, Boys, Boys. So it was all kind of moving in the right direction. And then um, we closed our gallery in 2018. So this was all kind of working in the right direction for us. The fact that we were now doing lots of stuff online. And then sadly, um, Paddle 8 went bust at the beginning of 2019, was it? Yeah, I think it was 2019 they went bust. And then during, um, just before, or maybe it was during the first lockdown, about March 2020. It must have been during the first lockdown. No, it was during the summer of 2020. 20 around that time spring summer i decided to to launch the platform on our own now that paddle 8 wasn't there i thought fuck it we'll do it on our own so we have we launched the platform 
completely on our own, um, which actually is much better because we control it. And then around the same time, we launched the second book and then we decided to launch a magazine. So yeah, so it's kind of snowballed from there. And we're actually, we've just published volume four of the magazine, which came out this week. So Yeah, I saw it. I haven't, yeah. I haven't ordered my copy yet. I'm a little delinquent, but I, I am really excited to see it. It's been noted, Michael. It's been noted. <laughs> I mean, I love print. I'm a really, I, I, I like to think I'm a fairly analog person. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever go fully digital. Um, and I think it's it's great that you're continuing to do that. Well, it, it's kind of, it, it's all been a bit of a surprise. It's a bit like setting up a gallery. I've got no no background in publishing. And during a conversation with a, with a photographer who had sent me a whole lot of pictures, which I really, really liked. But I could see they were very much more lent towards a, a story in a magazine rather than completely online as fine art photography. So that was kind of like the catalyst for the magazine. And just by chance, I worked with a really amazing designer on my books, um, a guy called Jeremy Kunz. And to be honest, if it wasn't for him, there probably wouldn't be a magazine. And it's just one of these things. You just, yeah. just meet people. And things just happen. Um, I was a little bit anxious at the beginning uh, whether it would work or not because he's he's not gay. Um, he's married with kids. Um, and to be honest, it's worked amazingly. I mean, he literally, I send him all the curation, which for me is very easy. There's 10 photographers in each magazine. They send me their images. I edit them down. I then send them to Jeremy, and then he does the layout. And I have to say, he is annoyingly amazing because when he sends me the first draft back, I stare at it, stare at it, stare at it, desperate to find something to change. And then in my head, I find something to change. And then actually, when I go back to it the next day, I go, mm, yeah, no, he was right. <laughs> so literally, I never have to change the design, which, you know, that's very unusual. Um and you know he may be he may be straight, but he has to look at a lot of willies in his job now. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, he produces an amazing magazine, and you know he's doing he does everything for us now: the books, the magazine. We're about to launch a candle. Um, we're doing all kinds of stuff. That's great. What's the candle called? Is it something sexy, or is it just boys, boys, boys? It's called Bum. Bum. <laughs> <laughs> Notes of fresh peach, it, right? <laughs> we, wanted, we wanted to call it It Smells Like Bum, but that's a little bit too close to Gwyneth Paltrow's um, candle range. Uh, I didn't know she had one like that. Um, yeah, she has a candle range called um, It Smells Like My Vagina or It Smells Like My Orgasm. That, that several. She's got quite a successful candle range, wow. part of her goop thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But no, you'll have to, the candle, it comes out in, in the autumn, in the run-up for Christmas. And you're going to have to get one because yeah. it is, we're doing it with a Canadian um, perfumier called Timothy Ham, and he has the most amazing nose. I went into London um, a couple of weeks ago to sign off the fragrance and it was quite extraordinary process. So he, he, he narrowed it down to four and I can't remember the name of um all the different working titles, but this one, the one that we went for, the working title was Shit and Come. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, okay, Timothy, that's like, that's that's really not where we're going with this. This is we're supposed to be smart. And then I smelt it and I'm like, whoa, that smells like, oh my God, it smells like bomb. And then literally you go back for a second smell and then you just get something completely different. It's quite extraordinary. He's got an amazing nose. Wow. Um, and it's a really, really nice scent. And the, the candle's been designed by Jeremy, and it's really beautiful. And again, you know, like we do with all our projects, we're donating monies to charities. So $5 from every candle will go to different charities. Oh, that's great. By chance, is he gay? Timothy's actually not gay again. Uh -huh. I seem to end up working <laughs> with these people. I mean, I, who, would, who would know that a, a straight man would have a work inside of the candle. She's right, in right, 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 right. <laughs> well, I guess those, the, the, the noses, I guess they, they, um, they know it all. Right. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. That's funny. So yes, yeah, so the, the boys, 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 um, brand is kind of growing. And the reason, the reason I'm doing all these spin-offs is not because I have some great ambition to start having products, but they just help, um, 
with the PR and marketing for the brand, because the one thing that's incredibly difficult um, to do, you know, even with my background in PR, is generate publicity for Boys, Boys, Boys. I mean, the world is institutionally very um, homophobic. And, you know, I cannot, literally cannot get any mainstream newspaper or magazine to write about Boys, Boys, Boys. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, I send them pictures of girls and they'll put them in the magazine or newspaper any day. But anything with boys, it's impossible, absolutely impossible. So the only way we can generate interest, so it's like through the books, the magazines, the candles, that helps generate the publicity. And actually, we've just launched uh, our first advertising campaign in America. So we've taken out, we've got adverts in Out Magazine for the rest of the year. Um, I mean, it will bankrupt me, but I think it's a worthwhile project. Yeah, so it's like the only way to get <laughs> to get restaurant representation is to pay for it, right? I mean, that's uh, and, and yeah, I feel like there like, is this double standard even in media. You know, you you see it on television. I don't know how much HBO you watch or if that's if the same content's distributed in in France, but you know they'll show the full spectrum of the female body. But when it comes to a man, I mean, the bum is it really? Well, no, I just think it's really sad because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, as I'm sure you, you know, there's a lot of gay washing that goes on, you know, people um, give lip surface so that they're, you know, that they're, you know, want to promote gay rights, whether it's particularly around pride, but actually you try and get anything in a newspaper about, about gay or queer photography, it's impossible. So yeah, so we just have to seize the, seize the horns and do it ourselves. So it's just, it just makes it tougher and it makes it more expensive, um, but we'll get there. You know, I'm, I'm, the program's really, really grown. And actually the, the new issue of the magazine, we've printed, um, we've increased the print run. So, you know, that's positive. And, you know, we're getting more and more um, stockists taken on the magazine and we're getting into like museum shops and I mean, Barnes and Noble take it in America, although wow. of course be wrapped in, you know, plastic for Barnes and Noble in case somebody gets upset. Um but you know that's all. It's a positive. You know these are all stages that we have to go through. But it would be quite nice if, you know, we wouldn't have to jump through all these hoops to get everything done. Yeah, and the censorship and the double standard is. Um, I mean, you're as you continue to push, uh, you know, the, and get the distribution out there. I think hopefully, and and there's other people out there like you who are who are challenging that. I think it's. Um, Hopefully it's gonna it, it, it's gonna work and and the pendulum will shift. Um, I think you know with the, the well, new yeah, generation. About America at the moment, you're shifting the wrong way at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean the thing is, is you know the whole point of the Boys 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 program is you know we are promoting queer and gay photography, but through the prism um, of fine art photography. So we're not trying to shock, but of course you know within that spectrum you know that's quite a wide spectrum of photography so you know sometimes i get sent photographs and i kind of look at them and i think whoa but then i think well hang on maplethorpe was doing this 30 years ago why right. can't we be doing this now but actually the irony is it's just as hard now as it was 30 years ago so i kind of have to put my um you know tune my brain to kind of make it you know curate from a from every angle, but you know, I am. I often have to say to photographers, you know, less willies, less willies, less willies, because there is a there is a tendency for a lot of photographers just to send me lots of pictures of willies, and you know, that's not really what we're about. And there are lots of magazines that do that. There's a lot of very good magazines that are literally are just willie magazines, as far as I can see. But that's not what we're trying to be. So I have to be I have to be quite strict in the way I curate, in the sense that if it doesn't have, you know, if the story's not a strong story or I don't see the artistic value in it, a willie's just a willie at the end of the day. Right, that's the line for you. I remember when we when we talked in our pre-interview, you were saying you, that you were you're proud to be probably the only publication that's not a willy publication. Um, that's yeah. Kind of the and, you know, line just, you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's important. We just finished, uh, we just started this year, a boys, boys, boys photography course, which I, again, I, I'm incredibly proud of. So we're now also educators. And again, it's one of these things that just happened by chance. One of my 
photographers is a guy called Paul McDonald, who is an educator. He lives, he's English, but he lives in Australia and he's a lecturer. So we thought, well, let's try doing a boys, boys, boys photography course. Again, it's, it's unique in the sense that it's, you know, it's specifically catering for the talking about and educating about queer and gay photography. And you have to be a queer or gay photographer to join it. And we tried it, and, you know, and I was like a bit nervous. But in the end, we had, I think we had 11 photographers wow. sign up. And, you know, it was $650 for the course. So it's not, you know, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive mm-hmm. because they did three months. And, you know, they had amazing guest speakers. And But during that course, I had to keep, I was a guest speaker. I think I did the final session, and then I popped up once or twice. But um my mantra was, you know, as they were give, given their assignments and I kept looking at them, I'm like, okay, less willy, less willy, less willy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. But I guess, and, and I remember us talking about that and, and you were, you, in addition to teaching them, um, the, I guess, uh, technical aspects and, and, the, and the content of how to create, you know, narratives and and good pictures you were also teaching them kind of administration and business and how to you make it as an artist which are essential things if you're going to be a successful artist well no this is, i mean this is fundamental i mean one of the major criticisms i have of photography courses anywhere in the world um is that they seem to they don't seem to teach their students about the real world about you know administration dealing with galleries commercial sense side of the work and that's really, really important. So actually, yeah, and Paul is amazing because he's also a photographer, so he understands it. So, you know, we we were pushing all of that. I mean, Paul was absolutely amazing. I mean, I was in complete awe of the whole thing. But the, the course was amazing because they were given their assignments. And over the 12 weeks, I mean, it's just incredible what these guys were producing and their passion and their, you know, dedication to their craft so it's really made it's really fired me up to push it even further the fact that there is such a an overwhelming need for this um and you know we had photographers from argentina from canada from they were from all over the world and we were were meet every saturday night it was kind of ironic poor Mm. poor paul in australia he had to get up at i think he had to get up at four in the morning in order to do it so, and then the other people, I can't think where the furthest was. So maybe in Argentina, they were, I don't know what time it was, but anyway, everybody was on different time zones. It was crazy, but it really worked. Um, and so much so that we're going to do an online exhibition in August of the, of the results of their work. Um, and I've been actually invited a couple of them to submit their work for the next Boys, Boys, Boys magazine. Because the one thing I like doing is once you, once you start engaging with photographers, um, and once you start a form a, a relationship or a bond, I kind of feel like the, you know, the desire to help them. So, you know, if they're any good, I'm like, come on, let's go for it. Let's give me some pictures. Let's put them in the magazine. Let's get you, let's get you going. And I think that's just what people need. It's like uh, a little bit of encouragement. And that's one of the reasons I think the Boys, Boys, Boys program is so important. You know, we have, I don't know how many photographers, we have over 65 photographers now from 30 countries. You know, and we don't represent them all exclusively, but we're giving them a platform to present their work. Um, and it's with, you know, it's with the Little Black Gallery. So we're a reputable gallery. So it's not just willies or porn. Um, and, you know, it gives them a, a window into the world. And, it, you know, we seem to, seem to be doing something right because it, people are buying the artworks, people are buying the books and the magazines for sure. Those are just flying. Um, we now just need to encourage a few more people to buy the artworks. Yeah. And I know that you advertise also that a lot of your uh, photographers, that some of the photographers you represent are for, are, are from countries where, you know, homosexuality is um, maybe in sometimes in, uh, criminalized or, uh, or it's uh, their lives are under threat. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, how have you helped them navigate that um, and, Maybe some, I, I don't want to hear horror always, stories, but, you know, just about that. No, well, I, I don't have any horror stories to share because I'm I'm just amazing. Yes, I mean, like you say, we do represent photographers from Iran, Russia, Ukraine, India, Turkey, Poland, you know, so we're countries where, as you say, you know, it's 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 hard. But I'm I'm just always so amazed and impressed by their 
their passion and their dedication to keep on doing their work. I mean, I'm often saying to them, I'm like, do you really want me to publish that? Is it not going to cause you problems at home? And I'm like, no, go on, get on with it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I suppose it's just the way it is. And it's, it's really, really positive. I mean, obviously things are not good in some of those countries. Um, and actually one of our photographers has just um, fled Russia. He's now moved to, to Paris because of the situations in Russia. So, you know, it's, it's, and I feel passionately about helping them. I mean, I think it's really, really important. It's a kind of, it's ironic. The other day we, um, this particular photographer, the Russian photographer, we got an online exhibition at the moment of his work. He's called um, Lad Zorin. And the exhibition is called um, With Love from Russia. And we sent out an email. Um, and in the, in the email, I kind of explained, I said, this, this project's about, he interviewed um, 18 young men across Russia over a period of time about sex and sexuality um, and that he'd fled Russia now and he was in exile in, in France. And we, you know, I, I wanted to put the narrative in the email because I, I knew it was a little bit going to be a little bit contentious because it has the title Russia in it. And within literally a nanosecond of sending the email out, somebody in America sent an email straight back going, how dare you send an email about Russia? I'm like, really? Have you not read the text of the email? This guy's like run away from Russia because it's such a horrible place. So, you know, it's important to support all our photographers. And, you know, similarly, we have a photographer in, in Ukraine and I just feel so, 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 you know, sad for him. Um, so we've, we've supported him by sending him money because he can't leave the country because he's under whatever the age is you have to stay in Ukraine to fight mm -hmm. the war. But, you know, I feel for these guys. It's hard. And it was hard in Ukraine, I think, to be gay before. But now, obviously, with the war, it, just the whole situation is just so tragic. Yeah. How is the book um, the from With Love from Russia done? Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, we didn't publish it. He he published it himself. Oh, okay. Um, and I mean, it's been, it's been a long, long struggle because the books were printed in Russia. So it's taken mm. us, I mean, it's flying from us. We're, we're selling that they're flying out every time. I mean, it sells out within a week and we have to reorder them, but it takes a long time to get the books from Russia, but actually he's just launched it officially at, um, a book fair in Paris last weekend. I was just speaking to him actually before I came on with you. Um, and I'm seeing him for the first time. I've never met him face to face. I'm going up to Paris in two weeks we're launching um volume four the boys 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 magazine in paris and he's going to come along but i don't think he speaks he doesn't speak english and i don't think he speaks french either so <laughs> it's going to be interesting because weirdly it's like i suppose people use google translate so you just presume they speak the language but he right. just sent me an email and they go i don't speak english so yeah so that's exciting so we've got that in um june the the, the official launch of the voice 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 magazine we've done a collaboration with a, a store in paris called tom greyhound which is like a kind of concept fashion store and it's um it's paris men's fashion week that week and then the following night, we've got a big boys, boys, boys club night in the in a, in a five star hotel. So it's going to be a bit crazy. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think people have to. Uh, I mean, that's sad that you got that immediate response from that uninformed uh, uh, American. I mean, he, Vlad is probably. He, I mean, he is a marginalized identity within Russia. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, he's not uh, probably definitely not you know for the war in Ukraine. Um, that's sad. Well, also, if, if, if the person had bothered to read the text or the, the person had bothered to even just click on his Instagram, because I put his Instagram, it's like, you know, he's passionately against the war and he's been posting all about it. Um, but anyway, ignorance is bliss, hey? Right, right, right. I mean, and, and <laughs> I guess to go back kind of to, uh, to, to censorship, um, you know, you are a print publication and that's a great way. I think for people to just happen upon you, there's been times where I've been in museum stores where I picked up a, uh, uh, a fine art um, magazine. The first one was was toilet paper. Actually, I discovered that when I was at the LA MoCA, and it was just fascinating. And I've, I've become a very passionate collector of toilet paper magazine. Um, but I know that you know since the advent of Instagram, that's kind of been an incredible resource, not just I mean for galleries, but also for photographers as well. And I remember shortly after I started following you, uh, or voice, 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 at least that yeah, it, the, your account was removed and. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, how that's how that's been affecting uh, your your business and and just queer and gay photography in general, and 
um, you know, some some stories and maybe advice to to gay photographers and and queer photographers in that respect. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a really really upsetting thing the the constant censorship on social media. I mean, it, it actually, if there's one thing that's going to send me insane, it's going to be that because these social media companies, you know, prophesize about how democratic they are and how they're the future and whatever. But actually they are just the worst homophobes of all the people in the whole wide world. I mean, they just make my blood boil. So yes, so you're right. So we have a dedicated um, Instagram account for boys, boys, sports. I didn't even bother doing one for Facebook because it was just a lost cause. And we grew it very organically over two years. And, you know, it was up to about 15 or 16,000. And, you know, of course, I was very aware of the rules and regulations of Instagram. And occasionally a post would get taken down and whatever. And then we would appeal it and sometimes they'd go back up. And then one day... Earlier this year, I think it was earlier this year, the account just disappeared. Um, and I was like, whoa, what happened there? And no warning, no email, no nothing, wow. no notification. Literally, it disappeared. Um, so I tried to look into ways of appealing, but I mean, the process is just oh, designed. I can't imagine, yeah. Well, it's designed that you don't, you know, you don't want to appeal because it's just so many stupid pieces of paper. Anyway, because my background is in um, PR, mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck them. Let's 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 go for them. So we launched the campaign um, to bring back our account, and luckily, my business partner in the gallery is is quite well known as she's kind of a celebrity in the UK. So just using her name, we managed to generate a a feature in a national newspaper in the UK that our account had been taken down. And ironically, within hours, our account came back. Wow. Um, but then it went again. Yeah. <laughs> a, couple of, a, couple of weeks, a couple of weeks later, they got their revenge and it went completely. Oh. And this time round, we, we didn't get it back. So we started a new one. It's now Boys Fine Arts. Um, and we opened a Twitter account. So we have a kind of backup and we do them simultaneously. And there's nothing we can do. It'll probably get taken down again. It's so ridiculous. Um, it's so ridiculous. And I don't really know what the future is. I mean, the, the irony is it's that actually when I looked at the statistics, something like 20% of all our sales was coming via Instagram. So it's a really important medium for us. Um, and, you know, I, I can survive it. I can handle it. But then it kind of makes me very, it makes me much more aware of how it must feel if you're a photographer. So you're one person on your own, you've dedicated all your time and energy into building up your Instagram. And then, you know, some fucker, the other end of the planet takes it down. I can see how that could be really damaging to the photographers because, you know, they don't have the backup that I have in terms of the PR or the fame or the celebrity or the press contacts to try and get it back. So I think it's really, really that it's really demoralizing for photographers, and it's not just gay and queer photographers. It happens to all photographers, but it does seem to be much more. I mean, you know, I have a another account for the gallery, and I have to say, very rarely does pictures of naked girls get taken down. I mean, very rarely. So you have to question what what is going on. Um, anyway. And you're it not posting willies either, right? I mean, what are the types of things that are triggering the algorithm? Yeah, I mean, just, just not even muted. I mean, like just just the fact that any kind of skin doesn't matter whether that it's a bum or it's a chest, any skin they just seem to remove it if it's a boy. In the context that it's you know maybe queer or gay or two boys kissing, gone. But they have to be naked. This is gone. Right. It's just so terrible. I mean, it is the worst kind of censorship. The worst. And I, I, I mean, luckily, luckily there's, there's, you know, there's lots of campaigns, you know, big campaigns 
against it. Um, Spencer Tunick, the photographer, has got a got a, a platform against censorship on social media. Rankin, the photographer, is launching a uh, anti-censorship magazine um, this month, actually. So yeah, there's lots of fight back, but the problem is, is these companies are just too big, They're too big. There's wow. nothing that can be done about them. Right. What's uh, the anti-censorship magazine? What's the name of that? I want to, I want to follow that and, and, and link that. Oh, uh, I need to send it to you. Cause I can't remember what he's called yeah. now. I think it's something like, I think it's called, I think they, they, it's called do not delete. I think okay. that's what it's called. But do you know Spencer Tunick, the photographer, he's the one who takes those massive scenes of naked pictures all lined down. Oh, right. You know, that guy. Yeah. Him. He's, he's, he's launched this campaign and it's like a whole platform. Um, because literally he can't post anything. You know I mean? It's like every one of his pictures has got a, you know, a nude person. So he literally right. gets taken down. Right. Ah, that's crazy. And then from that, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, artists, whether they're photographers or not, uh, are not, are trying to resist the gallery model of the art world so that they're able to keep, you know, most of the money for themselves and, and Instagram is kind of the way that they are representing themselves. And I, I remember us talking that, uh, I mean, you know, if that's your one, your biggest mode of getting your name out there, then maybe even once you get the attention of gallery of a gallery, there's not many galleries out there who are willing to take you, right? Well, I mean, that's, that's the reason we launched the program is the fact that there are very few galleries that represent queer or gay photographers. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's not exclusively queer or gay photographers because obviously it's very hard for, to get gallery representation full stop. But I definitely think it's harder if you're a queer or gay photographer because galleries don't cater for that. Um, the only gallery that I, I can, you know, think of that has a program for queer and gay photography is Clamp Fine Arts in New York. You, you know, Brian Clamp, who's, you know, I absolutely adore his program and his, um, everything he does, but he's not purely queer and gay photographer. He just represents a lot of queer and gay photographers. But, um, but then similarly, you know, it's hard for any photographer to get gallery representation. And actually, I think when we spoke before, I, I think I told you one of the bains of my life is actually when photographers think they can do it on their own and they right. don't really understand the concept of gallery representation. Um, and that's a battle that I have on a daily basis because it's really important for photographers to understand what a gallery does and why a gallery does it. Um, you know, if you want to be, if you want to be represented or you want to be a fine art photographer, you can't do it on your own. It's just as simple as that. Nobody will take you seriously. Yes, you'll get sales. Of course you'll get sales. Everybody can get sales, but you won't get the, you know, the acknowledgement, you won't get into the fairs, you won't get into the art magazines, you just won't be taken, you know, the gallery representation is for a reason. Um, and I think once people are inside it, they can understand the benefits of it. I mean, obviously, there's crap galleries, and there's good galleries, like anything in the world. Um, but it is it is a it is a constant battle I have with photographers to try and explain to them why they need to be in the system. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's one person versus a whole machine. What a gallery is, um, and I, I know there's there's quite a few other print publications out there. Since there's not as many galleries um, that are that are representing queer and gay photographers at least exclusively, what um, what what is you know what is kind of the the competition in that space like? Where is it going? And um, you know how are you working to stay? Um, I guess on on top of that. Is that a challenge for you? Oh, it's not a challenge yet. I mean, I have to say, I always thought that as we, I mean, it, we, June, so now it's June, it's our second birthday. I was anticipating maybe some competition in terms of somebody mimicking what we do, but that hasn't seemed to have happened. I mean, we've trademarked our kind of our brand identity so somebody can't just replicate what we do. Um, there, as you said, there's a lot of magazines that have kind of come onto the market. So there's magazines like Yummy, there's magazines like Crotch, um, 
which are great magazines, but they're not fine art photography magazines. They're they're beautiful magazines full of beautiful pictures of guys uh, with a lot of willies hanging out. Right, right, so right. I mean, it's competition in the sense that you know, yes, it's competition that you're somebody's going to spend you know their money on their magazine, or maybe they spend money on our magazine. I don't know, but I mean, I would. I think they're two very different things. Um, and I hope that what we try and present in each issue of the magazine is, is the diversity of the photography. It's not just one style, it's lots of styles. Um, and I think you can see, you know, just from the cultural backgrounds of the different photographers that there's a very different style. I mean, I can always tell very immediately whether the photographer is American, European, or from somewhere else. It's kind of weird. You, you can just tell. Um, and also, you know, in this new issue, we've interviewed, um, we do one interview per issue and this interview in the following four is with Greg Gorman, who has been my kind of photographic hero. He was the, he was the first photography book I ever bought was a Greg Gorman book. So he's been a bit of a hero of mine. So I'm really excited that we've got him in the magazine. And it's it's a little bit left field. It's not normally what the magazine's for. So this issue's got an interview with him. And, you know, we've got his iconic pictures of Keanu Reeves and Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and all the rest of them. But that's not what Boys, Boys, Boys does. Boys, Boys, Boys is supposed to be a, a program for kind of young emerging photographers. But it's quite nice to celebrate somebody as amazing as, as Greg. And that's really exciting. Yeah, it's always exciting when you get to 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 work with your heroes, I guess, right? Yeah, and I, I know him really well now. So I was in LA in December and we hung out and he invited us to dinner and he's such a nice, cool, laid back guy. But I mean, you know, he he has photographed everybody. Um, you know, and you'd expect somebody like that maybe to be a bit of a knob, but he's so nice and he has the most amazing house and he's so happy to share his stories and his knowledge with people. Um, he's actually, I think he's in Italy at the moment doing courses. He's really good at um, passing on his, his experience and knowledge to the new generation of photographers, but he was definitely the kind of, he definitely did it as a kind of like gay photographer shooting mainstream stuff, but um yeah, it's nice to have him in the magazine. And he's really the only photographer we have in Boys, Boys, Boys that is kind of from the, a different generation. Everybody else is definitely of the kind of younger emerging artists that are not so represented. Obviously, Greg's super famous and has exhibitions everywhere. Yeah, and hopefully his fame will, will help make Boys, Boys, yeah, Boys reach kind of a wider uh, audience at least. Well, yeah, we put Leonardo DiCaprio on the back of the magazine, so hopefully people <laughs> just buy it the strength of that when they go into Barnes and Noble and all they can see is the back because it's wrapped up in plastic, uh, they'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, but I, know, can't pres- I, can't, I can't promise Leonardo's willy, so you just have to deal with, <laughs> deal with that. I know, you know, there's always that adage, you know, sex sells. And, you know, I think this this line between fine art and, and uh, I, I guess, uh, pornography, I mean, is uh, is something that you're straddling and, and it you know, do you break it down to just willies or what, what kind of other, I I mean, willies is my thing. And somebody's going to think, listen, I've got a willy hang up, but I don't, but um, no, it's just, that's kind of like the, you know, people just don't want to look at willies all day long. It's it's not, if I look at my collection, um, I actually don't think there's any willies in my collection, you know, it's not something that necessarily you want to stare at all day hanging on your living room wall. I mean, you know, it's important. I mean, you know, but if I ever had all the money in the world, I would buy the, um, on my wish list of photographs that I own is the famous Maplethorpe of, uh, do you know the one I mean where the guys, the, it's the black guys, Willie hanging out of the zipper, that one. Yeah. Do you yeah, know yeah, that one I'd hang on my wall because it's such an iconic picture. But no, I mean, I look at everything like yesterday, somebody approached me who's launching a new platform. Um, he's a photographer. And I said to him, well, let's, let's think of ways of collaborating. And then he let me into the website because you needed a password to see the actual content. Um, and it was just all pictures of boys masturbating. I'm like, wow, oh, great but I can't, that's not what I'm about. That's not what boys, boys, boys is about. And I have to, 
I have to, it would be very easy to go down that road. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course people want that. There's a huge market for that kind of stuff, but that's not what I'm, what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to achieve. I have to keep pulling myself back to, to, to stick to what we're supposed to be doing, which is, you know, fine art photography. And like you say, it's, that's a, it's a wide spectrum and it's, it's quite hard to, judge what what is and what isn't pornography these days right of course i mean that's just kind of the nature of art it's so subjective but i'm curious in your experience yeah, from- sorry just interestingly actually just talking about pornography one of the one of the boys on the course of so the boys 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 photography course had just he part of his assignment he submitted some pictures and actually they were photographed on the set of a, a porno movie mm. And I said to him, I said, listen, the pictures are great, but the point is that they're not fine art photography. They are, you are taking pictures of something that's been conceived and directed by the director of the film. They're not your own work. They're, you're taking some very good, you know, pictures behind the scenes, but that's not fine art photography. Um, so it's interesting because, you know, he thought they were really amazing. And there's a, there's a, there's a few photographers that actually do that. They, they take pictures on, on the sets of porn movies. And I'm just like, that's not, it's just not going to work for me. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I'm glad that you're holding the torch towards, you know, of, of uh, fine art gain queer photography, because that's the way that it's going to be accepted, hopefully uh, more in the mainstream. Right. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that's the way that we can, break down the barriers for the photographers that we work with in the sense of like, you know, you say you bought the toilet paper magazine in the museum, you know, I'm super stoked that now, you know, we've managed to get the boys, boys, boys magazine into the, the Jus de Pomme in Paris and the Maison de la European photography in Paris and photographiska in Sweden. And that kind of matters, you know, it's like for my photographers, if they're in the magazine and then they suddenly see the magazine in the museum shop, it kind of gives them the, I don't know, it gives them the incentive, it gives them the passion to keep on doing what they're doing. You know, it's not just stacked in a gay bookstore somewhere. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying it's just important to stick to the guns of what we're trying to achieve. Um, you know, and right from the, the catalyst for the whole project is the fact that, you know, people were not comfortable going into a gallery, particularly in buying male nudes or queer and gay photography. Um, and we need to break down those barriers. You know, it's kind of, it kind of makes me laugh the fact that we're in 2022 and people still feel anxious about going into a gallery and buying a picture of a, well, they're not, they're not all male news, but let's just say male news for, 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 for the purpose of this. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I know I haven't had a gallery, you know, galleries are intimidating at the best of times. Right. Um, then you throw in some, you know, male nudes and people feel a little bit more intimidated. I mean, yeah. I get it. The, the irony is, is one of the things that I noticed since we've been doing boys, 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 is actually the, the sales like of the magazine and the books and the artworks go to a lot of them go to places like mid America. Mm. So where people, you know, don't have access to galleries or shops or anything maybe to do with, selling magazines or books to do you know queer and gay culture so it is interesting that they go to these places and actually the other one is we we send a lot of stuff to like the outback in australia where people <laughs> have access to nothing so it, it obviously it serves a purpose yeah and i i'm curious over your years in in selling gay and queer photography i mean through all the auctions at Padelaide and and everything online have you noticed are, are, are willies more commercially successful uh, than, than, than fine art of what, of what you're doing now? Or, Well, no, I mean, the, the, this is the thing that I have to keep reminding um, the photographers that I represent. A lot of them, are, are, you know, in the Boys, Boys, Boys program are quite young photographers and because they have followers on Instagram and they do whatever, they, they kind of think they know how it all works. But basically girls 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 and the little black gallery subsidizes the entire boys 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 program the boys 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 program does not make any money yet right (laughs) so yeah so i have to keep reminding them that you know this is a long-term project and you need to stay involved you need to 
have self-belief in what we're trying to achieve and you know together it will grow but if you if you go off on your own then you know you're you're just making a, a silly mistake yeah i mean girls 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 somebody will come along and log on to the girls 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 website and buy a piece of our fifteen thousand pounds wow so that keeps all that keeps us all going for a few weeks yeah, I noticed you mentioned Paris multiple times. I guess the gallery is still in London, but you know you live in France. So it makes sense that you go to Paris often. Um, but but I'm wondering if uh, how Brexit has affected your business. And I, I've seen that a lot of auction houses and galleries are expanding their presence in Paris. And are you seeing that that's becoming, I guess, more broadly, not just for for your business, becoming kind of the new other center of the art world? Well, Paris has always been um, the center of the photography world. Actually, it's been New York, Paris, London. It's been that way around, not London, Paris. And it's definitely seen, there's definitely been a shift. But to be honest, Brexit hasn't really affected us as a business um, because we're an international business and probably... 80% 80% of all our sales are outside the UK anyway. So it hasn't really, actually, our European clients are quite happy because they now don't need to pay um, VAT on their purchases. Whereas when the UK was in the European Union, they'd have to pay an extra 20% on every purchase, whereas now they don't have to. So they're quite happy. Wow. Um, the, only, the only problem it's caused is just moving things around. It's, it's a little bit more complicated, but it's nothing that's, Noticeable. I mean, the thing that really affects the art market, and this is the thing that I have to, you know, educate my artists about, doesn't matter which artists they are, just any artists, is it's the markets. Um, you know, what we have to understand is anybody that can afford to buy a piece of art, whether it, you know, the cheapest piece of art we sell is $500, the most expensive piece of art we sell is about $30,000, $30,000, $40,000 is that is a luxury to a lot of people so the people who buy art you know it's just it's just reality people who buy art are generally people who are affluent um and the thing that affects them the most is the markets you know if you're rich you have your money and stocks and shares and whatever and if you see the markets go down you see your money go down so that's the thing that affects the art market the most and I, I see that much more, um, it's much more noticeable. So the last couple of weeks, you know, the US markets are tanked. The sterling, UK sterling is tanking. You know, it's everything's falling the wrong way. And actually, there's just been two auctions, one with Sotheby's, one with Christie's photograph sales, and both of them bombed. And it's directly linked to the markets. You know, if you're rich... You know, and you've got houses all over the world and you've got kids in private schools and you go on nice holidays. The one thing that you can, the one thing you can cut back on is buying art. And that's what they do. They have to keep on paying for the kids to go to nice schools. They have to keep on paying on the nice holidays. They have to keep on paying for the nice clothes. But the one thing they can cut back on for sure is art. And that's what happens. So you notice it straight away. And that's what's happening at the moment. Yeah, so maybe it's great. That's why a print publication and candles and other little products are 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 are, are going to survive, right? I mean, people can afford those those simple luxuries, I guess. Well, more people, people can people afford them, buy, I guess. People will buy the magazines, the books, and you know the the reason we do the the books and the magazines, as I said earlier, was one as a marketing tool, but also it's a slightly more cross generational thing. So you know, people are in there. 20s 30s whatever you may not be able to afford the art yet or buy the magazines and hopefully you know when they have the money then they can buy the art so it's kind of you know we're all moving in the right direction one day you know hopefully we'll be enormous and people will just be clicking all day long buying art but you know we've got to get there right and so um are the majority of your clients in the west in the u.s and in in europe for boys, boy, for boys, 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 or the gallery? The, you mean well, boys, I boys, mean, boys? I guess, yeah, boys, boys, boys. Yeah, boys, boys, boys is, I would say, 60% of our clients are US-based. 
so the majority of US based, and then the other countries, it's UK and Germany, Australia, France, Canada. Those would be the kind of key markets for us. Yeah, I remember. Which kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I remember um, earlier we had, we had talked about how COVID had affected um, the business and, um, you know, just, just the world at large and how there'd been, uh, especially uh, Black Lives Matter in the U.S., how that kind of ripple effect uh, led to changes and, and calls uh, within the art world to diversify, um, you know, exhibitions and employment and uh, programming and uh, I know we had talked about how that, or, or, or maybe could you talk about how that affected Boys, Boys, Boys and, um, and how you're working to expand that? Well, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, obviously COVID is, is, has been a kick in the teeth for everybody and we've managed to survive by, um, you know, by the fact that we were kind of online anyway. So, right. We were lucky in the sense that we didn't have a physical space so we didn't have to deal with the hassles of all that. We don't have lots of employees who so have to deal with the hassle of that. So for us, it wasn't so bad. But, I mean, I can't lie. I mean, you know, our income for the last two years is down 50%. I mean, you know, any gallery that tells you otherwise, they, they must be lying. Um, and in terms of the Black Lives Matter stuff, yeah, it kind of had an impact. We were going to do a big exhibition in, in New York just um, as that – whole Black Lives Matter COVID was hidden off in America and the the gallery we were going to work with, I won't name them because I'm not sure it's fair to name them, they, in the end, they decided, um, they turned around to me and they said that the the representation wasn't diverse enough for the exhibition and I was a little bit shocked by that because it was every single one of our photographers had one piece in the exhibition. So it was literally the entire program. And the fact that the program was, I think at that time it was 60 photographers and maybe 25 countries. Um, and I'm like, I'm not sure how more diverse we can <laughs> right. be. Um, but they weren't looking at that. They were looking specifically about the fact that they wanted um, more black photographers mm -hmm. and they wanted more diversity in the subject matter. And I said to them, that, listen, that's fine. But I, I had to point out that how did they know which of my photographers were black or not because they hadn't asked me. Um, and actually there's a couple of photographers that I have who don't want to be identified by their skin color. They just want to be identified by their work. So I think it's important to respect that as well. They didn't want to be, you know, pulled out specifically for that reason. Anyway, so the exhibition didn't happen. Um, and I'm very conscious that there's a, there's a, there's a real, um, divide between the kind of European, viewpoint and the American viewpoint. So, you know, we have made a, or I have made a concerted effort to expand the program even more. But the irony was, is when I reached out to um, several black photographers in, in America, the, they rejected, they rejected us in quite a, in quite a, quite an aggressive way, which I thought was a little bit sad. Um, so yeah, so we, we continue, you know, we keep keep on signing new photographers up all the time from different countries. So I'm happy. And, you know, the, the program is, you know, we do the boys, boys, boys photography competition. Anybody can submit work at any point. You know, it's a very open platform. Um, so, you know, if people want to be part of it, then it's very easy to join it. So I'm happy to keep on looking for new photographers. I mean, I specifically want to get um, photographers from, from Africa, which I find much harder to, to find, uh, mainly because a lot of photographers don't necessarily want to identify as gay. Um, and actually, you know, the good ones 
are snapped up by, there's some very, very good photography galleries in South Africa, and they seem to snap up all the good photographers. That's really interesting. Yeah, I have a friend, uh, a couple there, they they open they have a gallery actually uh, it's the um the the other uh, the the other half of this pride series that I'm doing um they were in uh, Senegal just last week for the Biennale there and they said it was so refreshing um to see kind of young artists and a lot of really interesting art being uh, created he, he was describing it kind of as as the font almost you know gave him renewed faith in in the art world. Um, and, and he said that he was talking with one gallerist or maybe an artist. I, I, I can't remember. And he was saying, Oh, you're American or I mean, they're European, but he said, Oh, your galleries in America. You probably, uh, you just want portraits. Right. And he said, Oh no, <laughs> why? And he was like, Oh, that's all we send to the U S is portraits. That's all they want. That's all. That was interesting. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I spend a lot of time in South Africa. Um, I spend a couple of months every year there. So I'm always on the lookout um, and there's a really there's a really exciting art scene there. Um, and there was for a while, there was definitely a real movement for kind of African art. I think that might have peaked a little bit, but maybe not so in photography. So yeah, I'm 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 really, really wanting to find some some um some African photographers. I mean, you know, with the, we've signed up, you know, we got a I was really excited when we signed up a, an indigenous Peruvian photographer. Oh wow. We signed up a, an Indian photographer. So, you know, it's, you know, we're pretty diverse in that sense, but, you know, at the end of the day, anybody can submit their work and they're, they're based on, they're ba- you know, I base it on the, their work. Um, that's the most, that's the priority. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I know it's difficult to, to, to get your distribution or at least your, your reach um, uh, into other parts of the world i've got a friend who runs uh it's actually shameless plug episode 15 of the podcast runs a, a publication um it's trying to make a beautiful coffee table book publication uh that's annual i think now and it's for emerging artists and the the draw i think what he publishes most is primarily painters and i've, I've juried it uh twice and whenever i'd seen performance artists i'd really tried to and photographers as well i'd really tried to include them because i thought the diversity of media is really important but uh, I knew it had been it was challenging to find uh, people in Latin America, in Africa, um, in Asia. Um. Yeah, weirdly, we have a lot of um, we have quite a few Latin Americans. It, it, it seems to be they seem to be much more. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they see it, but they seem to reach out a lot more. I get a lot of I get a lot of requests from from Latin America. I can't remember how many we've got now from Latin America, but there's quite a few photographers. Um, so yeah, but I mean, you know, I just want to keep on reaching out, um, to more and more, um, and we do, I mean, I get approached, as you can imagine, I get approached on a daily basis, yeah, but if the work, if the work is not, um, good enough, then obviously, you know, we, 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 we say, you know, listen, this is, it's not the right time. And actually one of the things I say to them is actually, it, it don't take my word for it enter the photo competition because the photo competition is the quickest way to get into the boys 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 program because it's not just my opinion there's there's other judges and they can outrule me so um that's a good way if i turn you down if i say well i'm not sure your works right for the boys 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 program now is like end of the photo competition and you you might you might get past the other judges and then they might put you in it because the winner gets straight into the program and actually again the the we launched the boys 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 photography competition and again i was a little bit nervous i worked on other photography competitions not related to boys 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 and I've always been amazed how well they've done. And with the boys, 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 we launched it. And I think we had, I don't know, between 150 and 200 entries, which to me sounded like it was a lot. Um, And it was really diverse from all over the world. And it was incredible. We actually signed, apart from the winner, we signed up another three photographers. So actually four people were joined the boys 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 program so it's a really good way of getting the getting your work in front of um the judges and me because you know sometimes you know this is what i say to on the boys 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 photography course it's like you know you can't you mustn't give up because if you email me you know you might get me on a bad day do you know what i mean it's like you might just 
email me as I'm running out the door. I've just dealt with some fucking nightmare. <laughs> and I see your email. I'm just like, oh, whatever. No, sorry, we're not interested today. So, you know, you've got to keep on coming back. Don't give up. And what my opinion is, is just one opinion. Somebody else's opinion is, is just as valid, but we're all different people. So, you know, you mustn't take anything personally. You know, you certainly can't get into the art world if you're going to take one person's opinion to heart. So, um, no, so actually entering competitions is a really good way of getting your work seen. Um, and, you know, we, we have the hard task of picking one. So in the end, like I said, we picked another three runners up and put them in the program. So, and actually two, two of them are in the new magazine. So, it's, you know, that's really exciting for a young photographer to enter a competition, suddenly be signed up to Boys, Boys, Boys in the Little Black Gallery and then be published in a magazine and the book coming out in the also. I mean, that's like a real... That's a real, you know, jump for somebody. Yeah. Do you have any plan to to make the magazine larger to include more photographers? Um, at the moment, I'm quite happy with it because it's ten photographers, 160 pages. I think um, it's biannual. At the moment, every issue is a different color of the rainbow. So I think we need to get to the end of the rainbow before we redesign <laughs> the magazines. So, so you can collect the entire series. I mean, I, I was thinking about it actually this morning because I listen to quite a few podcasts and you know geeky stuff about magazines. And it's often, you know, people talking about the redesign of their magazine. And I was kind of thinking, God, when I wonder when we have to redesign the magazine. And <laughs> right. I thought get to the end of the rainbow and then you can you can buy a box set of the entire series because you know the whole idea of the magazine is you know it isn't a throwaway magazine it's supposed to be collectible you know it is it is a beautiful magazine it's not cheap to produce um and hopefully you know people will collect them and then they'll have the whole series but yeah one day we'll have to redesign it and then maybe maybe we'll have more photographers more interviews because at the moment it's just me it's me and my designer it's like We're, 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 we're a one man band. So we're not like thousands of people and, you know, we don't take any advertising. So. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. I love that. <laughs> once you, once you get to the, to the end of the rainbow, that's going to be the, uh, uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the demarcation for the next, uh, what are we yeah. going to do next? Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. I have it on my coffee table, so uh, I'm going to encourage everyone who listens, uh, to see this and, um, uh, to, to go and buy your coffee. Right. Yeah. I look forward to seeing a spike in sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, Galen, thank you so much for, for joining me and taking the time. Uh, I know it's late where you are, and this has just been such a pleasure. Well, no, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Archerated. Please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen, and follow us on Instagram at Archerated Podcast. We look forward to your feedback and hearing from you soon. Remember, When it comes to art, it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted because you can always be artroverted. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon.